0: God, amen, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, well the only thing we have to do is believe, amen, we don't have to heal anybody, we don't have to have any answers, we just have to believe God, so those who are believing, raise your hands, amen, amen, we are believing, so we thank you Lord, so it's his faith that we use for the things that we desire, amen, it's you know, that's why you don't have to be afraid and concerned about anything, not your faith anyway, huh? Nacho faith. Nacho cheese. Nacho faith. Amen. So, nacho faith, which is a blessing. Amen. You take your faith, your measure, and you put it over in him, and it becomes his faith. Amen. The stronger one is the one that dominates in those situations. So, we have faith in God at all times. So, praise God. So, today we're going to talk about sacred silence. Amen. Sacred silence. Yeah, there is a purpose for silence, and uh, <clears throat> it is a a honor to God. I believe there, there are many instances of silence in the Bible. Uh, Habakkuk two twenty. We'll talk about that. You turn there if you want to. We'll start with that scripture. Uh, it's a good place to start, and uh, it tells us, "says the earth, the the Lord is in his." Holy temple. Let me just find that. Amen. Yes, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And so really one of the purposes of silence is honor. Man? Purpose of silence is honor. The word silence really means to hold one's peace. In other words, uh Words tend to express, and and actions too, express certain things that the people who are executing them want to express. So if you uh, speak words, that means that you have the floor. Amen? That what you desire is in the forefront. When you do actions that puts you in motion of of doing some things. I know there's many of us who wish we hadn't done certain things because they didn't turn out the way we wanted them to turn out. Amen. So we know that actions oftentimes cannot be taken back. They cannot be rescinded. And so when when there is a silence that immobilizes all activity, all wills, uh, so that God can, can come into the forefront. I really believe that that is the purpose of silence is to either hear from God, allow God to know that you're anticipating something from Him. And also uh, silence is God's platform. That's always the platform from when he, from which He speaks. Man's silence is always God's platform. So Habakkuk 2.20 says the the Lord is in his holy temple. Holiness always demands respect. Always. There's some of you are wondering why certain people quote unquote don't like you. I don't know that they don't like you. I think it is that they have a reaction to something about you. Amen. Amen. When you, before you knew the Lord, you could, you could be the one responsible for all the reactions. But now that you know God, you can't be responsible for all of their actions, negative or positive towards you. There's a God factor involved now. And so we all have to take into account the fact that God lives in us and He is doing something in our conversations he's doing something in the atmosphere he is doing something uh, in in our situations at all times see when you belong to god the kingdom always comes first the bible says seek ye first the kingdom god's kingdom purposes come first before your own i know we all believe that that We've got to get an answer to prayer because we need this and we need that. But God is not going to sacrifice kingdom purposes to satisfy personal needs. He doesn't have to. So he has to always establish his mind and his uh, uh, His will, his purpose, everything that, that he has planned, he can get carried out through us. And nobody's shortchanged because he can put you at peace while you're trying to get all wound up and uncomfortable about something you don't have yet. You know how it is with, with babies, huh? They want something, they don't know what, but usually a binky will take care of everything, huh? Or a dry diaper, you know, you figure out which one, yeah. But generally a binky will take care of pretty much everything. And that's what God does with us. You know, he just sticks a binky in our mouths when we get wound up about everything. He'll put a fruit of the spirit, a love, a patience, a peace on us. Something in our lives. And it's not just a pacifier, but... It is your way of life. He's teaching us, this is how I want you to live. Amen. You don't live by bread alone. You don't live by things alone. But you live by my word. And my word is telling you to hold your peace and that I'm working on it for you. Amen. And so when we understand that, then we can be more peaceful with God in the way he does things. But silence is always the red carpet that we roll out before God. Huh? Always is. Many times we'll have, uh, uh, we have now, you know, we've started in our, our uh, spirit-filled churches and assemblies, what we call the holy hush, which is really the unholy hush, um, you know that lull that they <laughs> they put, they insert into the praise and worship. Ah, huh? I say insert because it's pretty much what happens. They put it in there in case anybody's got a word or a prophecy or something like that. So that's your cue to get up and say something. Amen. If it were orchestrated by God, it'd be fine. Did you hear what I said? Not all silence in the church is orchestrated by God. Because to be honest with you, most people can't tolerate it, church people. You ever let it get silent in the church and somebody say, Well, praise God! Oh, hallelujah! Yes, 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 yes. Talk Lord, yes Lord. Talk somebody, cause the silence is making me crazy. Oh. So it's hard for the human, the human soul to tolerate the platform of God. Cause we want all the attention. We want the platform you ever seen these i call them jump up churches i don't know what else to call them where they had a praise and worship where they all stand and jump on their feet the whole time and then by the time a half hour is over they're ready to go home because they're so tired huh they can't tolerate silence preacher gets up there and talks they only bring up open a bible with them you know skinny jeans and the latte and all that kind of stuff But in the midst of all of this, God is wanting to speak. And there is a platform of silence, a holy or sacred silence that he must have. He must, he must have, he must have it in order to speak, in order for himself to be heard. Silence means, we said, to hold your peace, to hold one's tongue. It also means to keep still. No physical activity. But it also means to be at ease and be at rest. Silence, the words silence and rest are synonymous in in understanding with Sabbath. So God ordains a rest for us, for our activities and our labors, so that he can take over. When he ordained the first, on the sixth day he created man, and on the seventh day he rested, he he intended to rest with us, never apart from us. Because by creating us on the sixth day, the seventh day was a day of reflection, a day of meditation, a day of communing, communing God with man so that our Monday would be cool. So he ordained the sixth day for us to rest with him, never apart from him, never apart from God. So when your, your day of Sabbath comes, that day that you're going to share with the Lord, the day that you peace from your own labors, that means that you take up the yoke of God. So then God began to, I believe he began to instruct Adam and Eve on how to organize their lives under his authority and his power so things could go right. But that rest indicated that they did nothing until God showed up and God spoke to them. You cease from your labors. You cease from your plans. You cease from your mental gyrations. You cease from your worry. You cease from your fear. You cease from all of these activities that put you in charge and you in control of your life. And you wait on the one who is holy. You wait on the one who is flawless. You wait on the one who has the master plan for your life so that your life can go well. Well, suppose God doesn't show up. He will. When you're silent. See, worrying is a form of noise. Negative meditation is a form of noise that dishonors God. If you're worried He won't show up, then you got some learning to do about Him. You're going to have to wait anyhow. You're going to have to tough it out anyhow. I know, you know, faith people don't like to wait on nothing. We don't like that word wait. That's why we did so much faith teaching is for the anxious people to feel like they can get something ahead of schedule and without using their faith and what not without understanding how to use your faith and so when when habakkuk says the the lord is in his holy temple let the earth be silent let every everybody on the earth be silent because this is important god is getting ready to speak god is getting ready to show us something So there are a number of purposes for silence. Number one, I think, is it does provide that platform for God to speak. So when we can hold our peace and be undisturbed, then God will show up. He will show up. He has to know that we're serious about it. That's not always God in those little lulls in the worship, you know, when they just turn the instruments off and just sit there and wait and hope they won't look stupid. They hope somebody's going to get up and say something so they won't look like they don't hear from God. See what I'm saying? And so we have kind of destroyed that and kind of perverted it because we make it mandatory for God to speak. He wants to speak. He knows how to get everything quiet. You understand what I'm saying? He knows how to do that. The anointing, there is an anointing that comes to hush and silence people to help this process. Amen? So there is an atmosphere change that will come when we know that God's platform is there. God is ready to speak. Many times, uh, I know as over the years, You know, people would come to me and say things like that. I can really tell now when a prophecy is getting ready to come. See, there is a silence within us Uh that anticipates the voice of the Lord. So there are many, many indications that we will have sometimes that God is wanting to speak on some things. Sometimes the fact that he hasn't spoken in a while is a cue for us to shut down And get silent so that we can hear from him. And not be under any pressure to get an answer. Not be under any pressure to hear anything. But to respectfully and reverently let things come to a standstill so that God can speak to us. Many times God will speak to us in our personal silence. You know, there's a time, there are times sometimes where God will just speak to us conversationally. He'll speak to us through the word. But he must always have this platform of silence. We can't be there talking all the time and asking questions and when is this going to happen, when is that. We're going to have to get silent before him in his presence, allowing him to take over, allowing him to now orchestrate and guide and lead the conversation. So it is a, uh, an atmosphere of respect. It's an atmosphere of longing. It's an atmosphere of desiring, desiring to hear from God. You gotta want to hear from Him. You gotta not care if what you hear is good or bad or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? So that you, you, you really allow God freedom and latitude to say whatever it is that He desires to say. Sometimes people only want to hear good things from God. You know, they call good things things that tickle their ears. Uh, you know, some of the uh, kings in the Old Testament, uh, they would say, well, well, is there a prophet here who can speak? Yeah, so-and-so, oh, I don't like him. He never has anything good to say to me. <laughs> Ahab, King Ahab said that about, him. I think it was Micaiah. And he just came and told him what he wanted to hear. And then later he said, that ain't going to happen. He's going to get what I told him the first time he's going to get, you see. And so it's just interesting, the platform that God demands so that the earth can, can know that he is speaking. He has his own way of making himself known and silence. That holy reverence or that sacred silence is the main way that he does that. So let the whole earth be silent before him because the Holy One is about to speak from his throne. Amen. So this is an official message that God wants to send unto the earth. Amen. So uh, in Zephaniah 1.7, it says, <clears throat> Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's son and all those clad in foreign clothes on that day. I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. So God's platform often announces judgment. That word, the day of the Lord, is used oftentimes for the day of Christ's return to the earth, uh, the day where God has called an end to one season and beginning of another one. When God is is entering us into a new season, he will send the announcement about that, and he will make it known to us. God, The Bible says he will do nothing except he reveal that word to his servants, the prophets, of course, you know, we got prophets and then we got prophets now. We got prophets that don't even uh, uh, agree with one another on certain things. You know, everybody's duking it out to be the one who hears from God. I got news for them. The people who hear from God are the people who pray. <laughs> and not all the time are prophets praying people. You understand what I'm saying? And so we we really need to uh, get a grip on understanding Messages that come from God and how they come from God. You know, what, what is He saying? What's He telling us and why is He telling us? Many times people think they've heard enough from God when they hear, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And then we don't want to hear anymore. But that's not all God's up to in the earth. God is going to come back for a, a glorified church, a church without spot or wrinkle. He is doing a work in his people all of the time to prepare them for his day, the day of the Lord, the day of his imminent return. And so when God is doing things, he lets his people know it's not like it's going to be this way forever. The kingdom is advancing. It's making progress all the time. People who really serve God and love God want to see his kingdom come, his will done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see manifestations of his glory and his power. We're not just satisfied with coming to church or not coming to church. You know what I'm saying? Making our excuses and, and just going on with life, you're paying bills, and that's all there is to your life. Look at the heathen sitting next to you. And see if you see a real difference. You got me? Get yourself over into kingdom living. Get yourself over into anticipating personal change. You know, change where God wants to help you to be more like Christ. You know, Get rid of some of these old cobwebs and, and, and dead habits and, and raw living and, and careless living. You know, be a person who wants to discipline yourself to the love of God. And so when God makes announcement, it is so that people will know his plan. He wants people to know what he's doing. He wants people to know that it is he. Sometimes problems come into our lives, and we're so anxious to get the problem solved. And really the problem has meant have, what have you noticed different about your behavior since this trouble came into your life more time with God right any any idiot can do that you know it's, you know I mean you sit there and look at it and say this is pretty bad right here God I think what this means is you know I have spend more time with you so we can get this huh? so now you know faith people would say that's that's not why trouble comes. God's not giving us trouble I didn't say he was in fact I'll tell you any day of the week our trouble is less because God's in our lives it's a whole lot less than what it would be without him but I am telling you that trouble can draw us closer to God in a way that the life of ease cannot the life of ease you're not really thinking and and it's okay with God don't get me wrong it's okay with God. If that's the way you want to enjoy the blessings that He's put into your life. That's fine. But just make sure you don't break, you don't totally break away from Him and the, the, the respect you show for Him, the connection you have with Him, the daily contact with Him. Things go better even if you have a life of ease. It goes better with God. You know, just to live in the spirit and get a, a, a break from the everyday nonsense that we partake of. It's a wonderful thing. So God wants us to have that reverence and have that silence before him so that he can know that he is free to speak into our lives at any time. So we are to be so, uh, silent before the sovereign Lord because his day is near. There are times when we, we as a body of believers take on a, a silence or take on a, I don't know what God's saying. You know, I would just really love for prophets worldwide to just shut up and stay instead of trying to, and generally what they say, if, if they're legitimate, that's the last thing they said. You know, but they feel like they have to keep coming with something every time somebody asks them, what you, what's what's the Lord showing you? They always have something. They always have an answer. You see, He's not showing me anything new. But remember the last thing I said the last time. That's that's still standing. God's still working on that. And so I believe if we will honor God with not so many words, with not having to know so much all the time without having to insert something into that sacred silence, we'll be able to know what God's doing and what he expects of us at all times. One of the the reasons for silence is silence is sometimes used as a way to censure negative speaking and the spreading of negative ideas. If you'll turn to Numbers chapter 13, In verse thirty, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Now, what did he why did he silence the people? Number one, the people were saying something opposite of what God was saying. And there may be times where you're called to correct words that had been spoken incorrectly and giving God credit for it. The people that the ten spies that came back from their excursion uh, up into the promised land came back with a negative report. Only two people came back with the same report that they were given when they went up there. Now, this is real important. Because what God asks us to do, instead of trying to invent some answer, he just asks us to hold on to what he's told us. See, before they went and spied, they, they went 40 days up into this the promised land to spy out the land to get comfortable with their new environment. That's the purpose for spying out. If God tells you, if you tell God, God, I want a, I want a new car, but I'm not going to tell you what it looks like. I, I don't really have a preference. But there's one thing I do want. I want you to you get your little list of things that you know you'll be comfortable with. And so God will tell you, well, go looking for some things. Well, why does he tell you to go looking? Because visual is how we possess things. We possess things by vision. And so when you possess it by vision, you'll be less inclined to reject it when it shows up in the natural. you got to know what you're looking for. You can't just say, well, God just give, like when I got my truck this time, now I went looking for all kinds, I, you know, I kind of, but I had told the Lord, I said, I really don't know what I want. I think I know what, it, what I want. And just immediately in my mind, a picture of it snapped. I saw the tail end of, of that truck, same color, same everything. Now I went on some websites and I saw some, one was black, one was red, one was, this and what was that, it was not the color and they all fell through. But that was me searching out what I really wanted. You see. So God will allow you to search out what you really want. Huh? That's why some of y'all be buying them memberships to the gym. Don't tell me that ain't what you're going for. Because you look at them machines and scratch your head and uh-huh. But you got to get your gym membership like you really going to use it. You understand what I'm saying? And so God will allow us to get a visual on what he has for us. He wants us to have that image on the inside so that when something in the natural comes and matches that image, we can get his peace about it and we know that's the one for us. Even if your head might doubt it after the fact, you accepted it with that peace and you knew that was what was for you. And so you went ahead and received it. And so when when God sent them up there, he sent them up there and he told them what was theirs. A land flowing with milk and honey. You all know the story. You don't, you don't have to plant anything. It's already planted and blah this and blah that. He told them nothing about the enemy told them nothing because they're going to have to make up their minds about how they feel about the enemy anyhow so he's not going to tell you oh you're going to get scared of these people but don't be afraid now they're real big now that's kind of stupid for god to say that because that's the devil's job to try to talk you out of stuff that's not god's job and god knows the devil's going to try to do it anyway So he tells them, I've given you this land. One of the other reasons he sends them out to spy the land is because if they're smart and they know their Bible, they'll walk every place the soles of your feet tread so to a Hebrew, walking is possession. Yes, yes. Huh? Yes, Walking's possession. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so they go up there, they spy out the land. For 40 days, nobody kills them, nobody hurts them. They come back with some fruit from the land. They've walked the land, and they still say, we can't do it. Huh? When God had already promised them, no man will be able to stand before you all the days. No creditor will be able, no evil credit report will be able, no. Y'all need to start filing your taxes on time. Because you're scared of the internal revenue. Our, the internal internal <laughs> <laughs> revenue, stupid people. But see, you're shrinking back in fear. Now you say you're not scared. I just didn't get around to it. Everybody files their taxes every year, except the scared people, huh? God wants His people to be people of integrity. You got to have somebody come get you. To get you to do the right thing. Put a warrant out for you. Charge you fines. To get you to do the right thing. You're a child of the king. Amen. Right thing should be the first thing you want to do. Yes. Huh? Yes. You don't get on nobody's list. Disobedience list. Amen. So Caleb, when he heard the people... Now, Caleb had a different experience when he went up there. He saw the good stuff only. He paid no attention to the size of the enemy, the inhabitants that were already there. Why did he pay no attention to it? Because God paid no attention to it. What God doesn't notice, you don't notice. God don't send you nowhere to find all the wrong things in some of that. Well. I guess I just play the devil's advocate. Really? You a lawyer for that idiot? Anybody who's a lawyer for the devil is got a loser for a client and that makes you a loser too. Devil's advocate. Stupid. You need to advocate for a winner. You need to advocate for God. So, a part of the reason for silence Is to censure negative speaking and the spread of negative ideas. So once them brothers got down there and started talking about how big that we were like grasshoppers next to them, and Caleb said, no, we'll eat them for lunch. They're bread for us. Huh? You never let an evil report stay in the atmosphere. Even if that means losing a so-called friend, because yes. uh, that's why a lot of us do it. Uh, we just want to just want to keep the peace. No, you don't want to confront anything because you don't believe your little friend thinks like that. God's trying to help you, so He quiets the people. That's one of the reasons for silence. It steals the atmosphere and allows an opportunity for God to speak. And God spoke through Caleb. Silence often ushers in a bold and brave thought. So silence, when it, it comes in an atmosphere where there's conflict and controversy, many times that's when God can plant a thought into the mind of somebody That's a bold and a brave thought. See, silence means that you lay down your weapons, your personal weapons against one another. So if if I have one idea and you have one idea and we argue about it, we go back and forth, what happens is one of us wants to win. So if somebody will shut up, that means nobody's going to win. At least it means one person's not interested in winning. And then God can come up with a bold and a brave idea in somebody who wants to hear from God and they'll start to speak on God's behalf. See? Many times, you know, if you're in strife with somebody and you just get silent and you let go of things, you'll find the presence of God will show up even in the midst of your, your arguing. Amen. So then that silence becomes a sacred silence where God can come in with His presence and He can take over and begin to speak into that situation. If nothing else, it'll make if, if somebody is determined to continue in strife, it will put a judgment on them where they can't speak or their words will begin to fall to the ground. Huh? You ever have somebody that gets all Hyped up and angry and blustery, and then all of a sudden, it's, yeah, it's like something happened in the atmosphere, and the word, those words disintegrated. Huh? That'll happen if you get silent. If you refuse to strive. Huh? You understand this? You don't win anything. God's not called us to win over and dominate each other. He's called us to love each other and live in peace with one another. Huh? You'll learn. You don't have to win no argument. You don't have to have a last word. You don't have to have any of that. The devil tell you, hey, nah. They don't let them push you around. <laughs> huh? People who can't tolerate silence do not give room for God to speak. Those who cannot tolerate silence do not give room for God to speak. We said God uses silence as a platform for his voice. When the prophet commands silence, it is to give the lord honor amen it's to give the lord honor silence really means god we await your words silence is a sign of reverence and respect in other words we're saying to god your words are worth the wait When Habakkuk 2.20 says, let the whole earth be silent, that means even the animals, the wind, amen, the waters, the oceans, everything gets silent before the Lord, anticipating his voice. Ecclesiastes 3.7 tells us that there is a time for every a time and a season, for every purpose under heaven. Three, verse seven: a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. God's time is the time to be silent. Amen. When it's time for Him to speak, it's a time for man to be silent. Amen when we are seeking peace with one another that's the time to be silent amen sometimes you'll see people get nervous when there's silence and they keep talking trying to convince somebody of their point of view and this is wrong because if you're if you're at odds with somebody or you're arguing with somebody what you need is a referee to take over and see god can be that referee no matter where you are whether you're in church, whether you believe God, whether that person believes God with you or not, amen. We have to lay down trying to win all the time. We have to lay down trying to convince people that we don't mean any harm. Well, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. Well, what I'm trying to say, you know, some people never let it go. And it's like, come on now and moved on to something else. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have to do that. There are times when people are trying to convince you against your will to agree with what they think. And we are not allowed that kind of power over one another. It should be perfectly all right with everybody in here to let God settle every disagreement. If you're a Christian, it should be fine with you to let God settle every disagreement. People don't have to understand you they don't even have to like you we're commanded to love one another but sometimes love has to grow and come with time you got to give people patience with things amen so that we're not trying to extract our own way all the time over the ways of god and so god will command a silence in a conversation. He'll command a silence in an atmosphere. He'll command a silence anywhere he desires so that he has the platform from which to speak. He likes to speak into our lives. He likes to direct our conversations. He likes to help us to bless one another. He likes to help us to get along with one another. So he will demand silence at times so that he can be heard. So that somebody can come up with a rational God thought, a bold thought, a confident thought that will turn that whole situation around so that it's not two wills clashing all the time and sparring at each other all the time, but it's the will of God that comes in and settles. So this is what will keep people from getting divorced when they start to fall out with each other on petty things. Silence will help it every single time. Amen. Forgiveness uh, will move mountains. It does tremendous things. But we don't have to keep bringing up the same last argument we had. You know how sometimes you'll, a person will get quiet and you'll walk away, but your mind won't let you let that be the end of it. Then when you see them again, you pick up right back where you left off. You, you gotta let them know they, you th- see this, they, they, they think of the wrong thing or you don't know what people think about you. Huh? And it doesn't matter anyway. I said it doesn't matter. You see what matters is what God thinks about you, and are you willing to obey him and trust him to settle matters, huh? You have to let him be your advocate. You have to let him be your arbiter. You have to give him a platform of silence from which he can speak. And he will speak. Amen. God will speak. He will settle every disturbance. He will settle every argument. Huh? This is why domestic violence escalates worse. Because nobody's willing to be silent. Huh? Everybody's trying to prove their point, not get pushed around. Show the other person they can't do this to me. And then it escalates and it's out of hand. Violence follows strife consistently. Whenever you see two people striving, violence is very near at hand. We don't realize it, but, but it is. You'll see, many times you'll see men who are involved with women who don't have much self-control. They'll tend to walk away, go get in the car, go drive somewhere. now I figured nobody I'm just telling you what the truth is man. why because they know silence is going to help that situation even if they don't know why many of them understand if they remove themselves from the situation huh? and what do most women do go running after them come on back here you can't walk away from me Cold cocked you right at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's the <laughs> but see, now the, the women are victims. They got all the feminists on their side, and walk away, and uh, who is it? Who was them people? Me too. Yeah, Me too people on, on their side. And it hasn't helped relationships any. It hasn't helped families to be healthier. It hasn't helped anything. It's just kind of separated people. But see, God's a reconciler. He's not telling you to separate from anybody. He's telling you to be peaceful and let him fight these battles for you. So God does have a time to keep silent. Ecclesiastes seven, 3, 7 says that. The time to keep silent is when we need to hear from God. You must know when you need to hear from God. When you got strife in the family, when you don't get along, you need to hear from God. You don't need to convince that person that you're right and they're wrong. You both need to hear from God. The person who's going to wind up on top is the one who hears from God. Amen? And what God tell you to do? Just be quiet. Forgive. You can't be quiet with an attitude, huh? Trying to punish everybody. Bibbity, bobbity, boo. <laughs> little witch. That's like junior witchcraft. You know, three-year-olds do that. <laughs> Which means if you grown, you ought to be grown out of that by now. Be more respectful of other people's spirit, their mental condition, their soul. You don't beat up on people by withdrawing from them with an attitude. Right. Yes. Got me? Yes. So you get silent before the Lord. Forgive that person. Offer that situation up to the Lord for his remedy. Because you want a remedy. You want a remedy of reconciliation. And nothing less will do. I'm not talking about from your perspective. I mean from God's perspective. Huh? If if you've been friends with somebody, especially if they're Christians from the household of faith, if you've been friends with them and something's happened to the friendship, God wants that repaired. Yeah. Because he gave you the friendship to begin with. You're not friends with anybody that God don't put in your life. See, he gave you the friendship to begin with. And he wants it reconciled to the point of peace, trust, and even better than it was before. See, many times in reconciliation, we begin to get understanding, first of all of ourselves, and then understanding of the other person. If you lay down the strife and decide you're not going to fight with them no more, you're not going to try to be right anymore, you want peace and you want this situation mended and repaired, then you can allow God in and he'll begin to work. And many times we'll learn things about people we never took the time to learn before because we were so eager to to uh, prove our point, and for us to be in charge and understood, and dominating all this kind of crazy stuff we like to do. You know, we thought it was our turn. You found out it wasn't. So you got to wait your turn now. But God wants these relationships mended. Why? For His glory. It's a heartbreaking thing if, if parents, if you raise all your children in the same household and then they get to be adults and don't speak. Or there's one that won't come to the family functions and do, you know, it's heartbreaking for a parent. Now well, if you feel that way, think about what God feels when His kids somehow can't get along. And so we have to allow God to repair and reconcile relationships and we have to be open to be wrong. You need correction. Because you, your skills are not up to the level to keep it together. Okay? You let the devil in. You let the devil start talking to you. You let him try to make you dominate and get your point across to the hurt of the relationship. You can't do that. Amen? That relationship is very important and it must survive if God's going to be glorified in your life. Huh? You go through life with a whole string of people you don't talk to anymore. And it ain't all because you so anointed. Huh? So there's a time to keep silent. A time to speak. Just means to hold your peace and let God have the platform. God speaks loudly when we are at peace. Peace really means we have laid down our ideas, our thoughts, and our plans, and we are available to hear from Him and we desire to hear from Him. Huh? There is a biblical pattern of silence associated with a recognition of God's holiness and righteous judgment. So the silence, silence in the throne room of God often means God is getting ready to make an announcement of judgment and make an announcement of transition when, when that time comes. And that's, that's one of the main things that you'll see Throughout the word of God. When there is silence at the throne of God. He is ready to speak. And he will speak. In Revelations chapter 8. And verse 1. And many. Tribulation people say this is during the tribulation. Pre-trib post. Who knows. You know what I'm saying. It probably won't be in our lifetime. I don't know, as I say that, it might start happening. <laughs> Sometimes parts of it are happening at different times. We don't know the whole picture. Only God knows. So here is, is the uh, uh, activity at the throne of God, <clears throat> and it's an opening of the seals. And these are orders which have been sealed from eternity, from the beginning of time. And chapter eight and verse one, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now all the instruments stopped, all the rejoicing stopped, all the worship stopped, everything. There was silence for about the space of a half hour. Amen. When the lamb opened the seal, heaven was silent for 30 minutes. In the Jewish temple, Music played the whole time the sacrifices were offered but there was silence at the offering of incense. Man, So at the offering of incense there was silence. During this time of silence there was an anticipation of the seventh judgment upon the earth which some theologians refer to as the calm before the storm. So when God is silent in heaven, it can often be a calm before the storm. He says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer, another that's that's the incense, came and stood at the altar he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people. So remember that you think you can skip prayer or hide from your prayer partner Your prayers are recorded in heaven. They are collected in heaven. There is a vial in heaven that contains the prayers of the saints. not our prophecies not our worship songs not our preaching but prayers prayers are the holiest utterance that man can utter your prayer is more sacred than your prophecies and your preachings i thought about that one time and i said well god i say some everything when i preach he said ah uh, that's why it ain't up here <laughs> He holds on to what's sacred. Amen. We do the best we can with what we got. You understand what I'm talking about? Paul said, I become all things to all of y'all so I can reach you. Hopefully win you over to God so it's all fair. This is a war out here. So he says, another angel who had a golden censer, verse 3, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. Remember when, when God says that, that your, your offering has come up to me as a sweet savor. There's an odor that, that permeates heaven when the saints pray. Amen. It's a sweet savor to Christ. That's so important to understand. That'll keep you praying when nothing else will. You understand? Just tell God, God, I'm sending you some more incense. Amen. I'm sending you some more incense today, Lord. And it was offered on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. So this is how your prayers get down here to make an effect down here on earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels, who had seven trumpets, prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. So this silence, half an hour silence, came before judgment hit the earth. Amen. And this is real. It's not imaginary. This is a real happening, yet to occur or has occurred. I'm not sure if it, this occurs all at one time. What span of time it occurs, but things things are scheduled to hit Earth. It says and and verse 6 then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them the first angel sounded his trumpet there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth a third of the earth was burned up a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up so i don't know what the new green deal is all about but it's gonna have to be mighty big to stop this You understand what I'm saying? The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Now, there are some people who feel that this has occurred already because it was the um, nuclear power plant exploding in Russia, Chernobyl, that word also is translated wormwood in english amen so don't think that this stuff don't see this is for god does stuff like this for people who refuse to believe or think oh that's just something you know it happens when it happens it may not happen it's probably not gonna happen it gonna happen while i'm alive all that kind of stuff this is to keep us on alert That when that silence in heaven happens, God is ready to do something. Now, if he lets us be privy to it, that's wonderful, I guess. But if we don't know what's going on, we don't know. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. Now he's saying something, woe about, not about that, but something that's about to happen. You got me? So the, the things that happen before the woes, I believe, are warnings to the earth that God is not pleased with our level of sin. God is not pleased with our level of shedding of innocent blood. What makes that happen is the prayers of the saints. What happens, what makes that happen is God... That cup of iniquity being full enough now for God to move and he gets silent in heaven and everybody knows that there is now a real shift, not all these shifts everybody down here be talking about, but now there is a real shift in the direction of heaven instead of bringing total blessing down here on earth or bringing partial destruction you notice a third of everything a third of this a third of that so there is a this is a warning shot from heaven that takes out a third of of what we know as normal life down here on earth chapter 9 verse 1 the fifth angel sounded his trumpet and i saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth the star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke locusts came down to earth and were given power like that of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, But only those people who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. You belong to God. You're doing what you're supposed to do to serve God, and keep right relationships with God, then you're fine. But if you're one of those people that likes to play with God, you don't want to be serious about God. A lot of backslidden Christians get caught up in the judgments of God simply because they don't have the what what the seal in the forehead really means is the mind of Christ. You have a mind to obey God. You have a mind to do the right thing. You're diligent about your Christianity. You're not just waiting for God to give you things and then you're mad at him if you don't get them. You're mature in the love of God. You're looking for perfection in your life and maturity in your life. And it says, during these days, people will seek death, but won't be able to find it. So these are tormenting situations that will drive people mad. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts look like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and the faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. I met some chicks like that. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> Just saying now. You know? <laughs> they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. And in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek it is Apollyon that is the destroyer. Now, know this, folks, the same authority you exercise over that in your prayer, spirit of destruction prayer, that authority is always there for you. You understand me? This is not for the saints who stay faithful to God. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, "Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates." And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour, and, and hour and day and month and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads with which they could inflict injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent, so these woes are judgments but they are warning judgments they are not final judgments They're because it, the holy spirit must still be at work in this because it's giving them time to repent of their works they did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold hello it's the money thing again The demons are idols of gold, silver, and bronze, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see, nor hear, nor walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, magic arts, or witchcraft, and sexual immorality, or of their thefts. So all sin will be judged as a warning. See, you know, people said when, when AIDS first started killing people people say, is that God's judgment? I said, no, it's warning. Because when judgment comes, you don't live. You don't get a disease. Does this look like somebody got a disease and recovered? No, they get killed right on the spot. So when God sends something like a disease and it collects to a certain group of people and you know exactly what's causing the disease, that's your warning. That's your warning to repent, to stop, give your life to God. And many do. But then some get hardened and stay with their sin. And then they start working in situations where, uh, it makes it illegal for you to tell homosexuals to turn away from their lifestyle and serve God. We got laws like that. It's called hate speech now. You know, for you to tell somebody that if, if they want to turn away from that lifestyle, or to tell them that the lifestyle is what's killing them. They know it's killing them. They're just begging and buying time. They think their problem is man. But their problem really is God. Amen. And so when God wants to show up and show them that. He will do that. So God has silence. To, to release a holy platform. For him to speak. When he is ready to speak. And we is ready to move. He uses silence as the indicator that he wants to do that I believe that when God is ready to move in some final things down here on the earth all these crazy prophecies will stop because people won't be able to find these crazy false words to give to people all these ideas about um, getting rich and that's your purpose for being here if you're a Christian those ideas are going to stop because that's not our purpose. Our purpose is not to accumulate temporal things. It's to accumulate uh, eternal things. And so I believe that, that we have yet to experience that half hour silence in heaven. Because God certainly has to wrap up business down here on earth. Whether we'll be here or whether we won't. I know one thing. Uh, people who serve God will be safe. He has never condemned the righteous with the wicked. If you have any fear in you about this, fear God and ask him to teach you how to stay close to him so that these events will not take a toll on your life and the life of the ones that you love. Begin to pray more earnestly for crazy relatives that think they have forever to play around with, knowing that God loves them. You got me? Pray for them. God, get them sober. Help them to sober up and understand Amen. How to get on your side so they won't be left out. So we've got lots of work to do, folks. The great work is the work that's done in prayer. And I so appreciate God for that. It's not like I can't pray more, I can't do better at this or anything. I'm not on the comfort zone in Easy Street. But I thank God that he has at least allowed us to understand these things so that we know how to invest our time down here on earth so that when he's silent in heaven, amen, we get warned and we know what's coming, but we know it's not coming to harm us, but it's coming and then we can be there for people who do want to repent and who do want to find their way back into the ark of safety. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for giving us understanding. Of things that are yet to come. Lord, we honor you and we love you and we lift you up because you certainly are worthy to be praised. So we thank you, Lord, for the good things that you're doing for us. Good things that you're doing down here on earth. We thank you, Lord, for the, even the warnings and the silence, the holy silence that comes when we know that you're about to speak. But we won't fear your speaking, Lord. But we will honor and reverence it, and we'll take heart, and we'll and we'll, we'll we will be able to follow through on instructions that are given to us. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name, Amen. And praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. Wants to go over his knowledge. Amen. So I was sharing with my sister. What's your name, sweetie? See, she baby don't you raise her, don't you drop that baby raise a. no but she was she was sharing with me that she has a recurring pain in her shoulder and so she said i can't figure out why it comes from and i said you can't beat it by trying to figure out how many of you when something happens you say wonder what this, wonder 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 wondering is ownership Once you wonder about something, you've embraced it, and you've taken responsibility for it. But the word says, by his stripes you were healed. So Jesus has got responsibility. He must have responsibility for every problem in our lives, or he doesn't have responsibility for anything. So if you're making him responsible, what does he tell you to do? He tells you to rebuke it. To cast it down to command it to go in his name, and it must leave you. Wondering will bring it back, but see, everybody's mind is trained to wonder, isn't that right? Because we think we got to be responsible for us all the time. See, if God were holding you responsible, wondering would give you an answer. But he's already taken care of everything that we need, so wondering will only give you back ownership and take it away from him. So if you can train your mind to stop the wondering, you can beat every single symptom, amen, that, amen, that comes into your body. See, what, what, what he does, it gives us, uh, the enemy wants to give us a false sense of power. So if you've been saved all these years, that's the first thing that will happen. Why are you still, you should be over this by now. You should be, are you still living in an earth suit? And you're going to have, you're going to have it attacked here and there as long as you live on this earth. So you can't graduate to greater knowledge just because of longevity. Amen. So these are the things that we have. This is, it's going to take great discipline, I think in the last hours, to be able to walk in the kind of confidence in God that we've always walked in. Sometimes your your mind will tell you you're too fat, you're too old, you're too, it's always going to give you a reason to let infirmity stay with you. Amen. I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you fat, old, skinny, young, pretty, ugly. He loves you whatever. He's not looking at the condition of your earth suit. Amen. He's looking at the fact that he died for you. Amen. Amen. So we are all destined to enjoy divine health. Absence of symptoms from your physical man. Absence of worry. Absence of fear. Absence of everything that hell might try to bring to you, but you gotta stay vigilant, amen. Just stay on your watch, watch guard everything, and, and don't let the enemy come through, amen. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for exhorting us and reminding us what we have. We thank you, Lord, for divine health, which is our our privilege. This is our inheritance, and this is our possession right now. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.